I'm glad to be here this morning. Ms. Lee is with me, as usual. She's the best pastor's wife I ever had. <laughs> and <clears throat> and it, one thing about the way you have preachers coming in off and on uh, is that uh, it, you might have the same text every now and then. And it's been suggested to me that perhaps that has happened. So, uh, so be it. I remember here. I remember hearing the, the famous preacher from Memphis tell the story. It was his wife telling the story, and it was Dr. R. G. Lee. No relationship. Had been out to some kind of meeting, and they had a guest preacher. And that preacher chose to preach a sermon that was Dr. Lee's famous, often asked to preach sermon. Payday someday. Any of you heard it? Raise your hand. Okay. You've been around a while. And Dr. Lee was complaining about the fellow that preached his sermon. He said it looked like he could have changed it up. And Ms. Lee replied was, I wouldn't complain too much. He did a better job with it than you do. <laughs> so whatever, whatever will be, will be, and, and what's not, just might be. But my text today is from the book of Daniel, and it's chapter 2 and 3, particularly the verses in um, chapter 2, verse 48. In 49. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire providence of Babylon and placed him in charge, in charge now of Babylon and all the wise men. Moreover, this is a key passage to understanding what's happened, going to happen. Moreover, Daniel requested the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the providence of Babylon. And while Daniel himself remained in the royal court. I realize that Daniel has a lot to do with a lot of writing, people writing on Daniel with such a prophecy and fulfillment of prophecy and so forth. I'm not so much into that as I try to get into the inside of the story and see how it grips me and how it might help you. And so the story today begins with a fellow called Nebuchadnezzar, that's some mouthful of a name, Nebuchadnezzar. Now he started out, his father was king of Babylon. 
And he was a general of the army and did a good job of it and had many, many victories. And when his father died, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, the general, was called home to be the king. So he was a great war general, and he was an organizer, great leader of his day. He, uh, one of the things he did was much of what we see any time in history. He wanted to unite the people together. If you read the text, you'll notice that um, there were people there from different generations and different uh, backgrounds and different cultures and different nations. And each nation had their own God. And Nebuchadnezzar had recognized in Daniel that Daniel had a good God because Daniel was able to interpret a very bad nightmare that Nebuchadnezzar experienced. And so he promoted him because he knew that this man has a good God and he wanted him in his corner. So Daniel is there in Nebuchadnezzar's corner, so to speak. And Nebuchadnezzar wanted to organize everybody into one idea. And you know what it was? Religion. Absolutely, religion. And that's what politicians today do. Same thing. You can go back to the book down, you'll find the people doing the same. They all have the same playbook. And part of the dream, the nightmare, that Nebuchadnezzar couldn't figure out, and all the Chaldean wise men and all the uh, other wise people could not tell him the dream. But Daniel was able to do that. And he told him that uh, what you see is, is this image that's a head of gold and so forth and silver and bronze and clay. Well, Nebuchadnezzar liked that. So he decided that he would build an image very similar to his dream. And then this is the way he's going to draw people together in one religion. And they're going to worship this idol with a head of gold. But how does he communicate to people when it's time to worship? Well, he had a, some good musicians that could play well, apparently. And he said, now when you all out there, and he's talking to the whole nation. I don't know how he did that. He didn't have internet, didn't have TV or something. But anyway, he said, you are to bow down to my image up here and worship. 
And when you hear the music, the flutes, the harps, the lyres, lyres, and so forth. And that's what he did. But one of the things that Nebuchadnezzar did was he stacked too much stuff on the wrong kind of decisions. And Nebuchadnezzar ended up, if you remember, out in the pasture acting like an animal and eating grass. He had some insanity, whatever it was, don't know. But he's one character that we deal with in the stage story. That's Nebuchadnezzar. It seemed like to me that God had tried to speak to him several times. But Nebuchadnezzar couldn't get away from the fact that there are gods, many gods. And he wanted the best ones. And he did think that these Jewish boys from from, uh, Judah had a good God. But Nebuchadnezzar organized his Babylon into districts. And he had some district governors over these people. They were called stastraps. And their job in their district was to collect taxes, money. Anytime there's money flowing in politics, that's a temptation, a big temptation. And that was their job to collect all the taxes. And they were to judge in matters of dispute and settle it. So they were judges. They were collectors and judges. And any other thing that needed to be done. That's who they were. But something happened that changed the situation. It was Daniel. Daniel held a very high office under King Nebuchadnezzar. And he was over all of these governors. Now what caused the problem was that Daniel, with his influence with Nebuchadnezzar, put in one more level of authority. Those of you that have been in the industry know what a level of leadership is. And someone, you used a certain way to do it, and then if someone puts in another level, it causes a little confusion. Well, these state traps got a little excited about that. If they're going to put these guys here that he had named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in charge. He's going to divide it up into three ways, and each one of them is going to be in charge of the governors in that district and the governors in this district and the governors in that district. Now, how many governors there were, don't know. Daniel didn't bother to tell us. 
But he did tell us that they were very jealous over that. Because this meant that they were going to be accountable more, more accountability in the collection of taxes. And they were going to be more accountable in their, in their judgments that they made. So they're being stripped, they felt, of their authority. And so they got together in one of their meetings, and we all have meetings, in one of their little meetings, and they discussed, what are we going to do about this new level of leadership? It's, eat, it, it's eating in our gain. They didn't know what to do. So they came up with a plan. And the plan was that they were going to accuse Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had about two or three years to observe them. And they did find out that these three guys that Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar had put in over the Babylon, they did discover that they wanted to not worship the golden image. And they didn't bow down when the music came. Now how did they do that? Well, when the music started playing, all they had to do was cast their eyes upon Shadrach over here, Meshach over there, and Abednego over here. Those guys are not kneeling down. Now didn't, didn't uh, Nebuchadnezzar say that anybody that doesn't kneel down and worship this golden image, there are consequences. And all choices do have consequences. And with our choices, we choose our consequences. So they got together and said, you know the king said, anybody that acts the way these three guys are doing, their consequences is they'll die. That the king will heat up a furnace and there's plenty of oil and gas in that territory to make a real good fiery furnace is the way it's described, fiery furnace. The historians that uh, do that kind of research think that the fiery furnace had an opening at the top and had like a window at the bottom. And so they went to the king and said, oh, king, how syrupy we can get, you know, when we on our way. Oh, king, you said, and they reminded him, and these guys ignore what you said. And he went into a rage. He said, bring them in. So he sent out a message for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to show up. They were called on the carpet. And he said, is this true that you do not bow down and worship when you hear the music? Yes. Okay. 
you pretty nice guys. And so what I'm going to do, do you a favor. Okay. I'm going to play the music. And you can bow down then. And they said, well, whatever you do, we're not going to do anything to worship your God of gold. And Nebuchadnezzar said, well, who is that God that will protect you from me? Who is that God who will protect you from me? And the three then had already apparently decided what they would do because they knew the consequences of their choices. And they had anticipated that they'd be called on the carpet. So they said, well, our God is able to deliver us out of your hands. And if not, if he chooses not to do it, he never questioned God's ability to do it. And if not, if he doesn't do it, we're still not going to worship you. And if not. So their determination and their commitment to Jehovah God was a determination that had an F not in it. We're not going to do it that way. F not. Now, they were delivered, as you know. Have you ever, well, I got an email from uh, a friend that was saying that uh, I praise God today because I had a blowout on my passenger backside. And I'm grateful that it blew out before I got on the interstate and was driving at a top speed. But as it was, I was able to control but I don't know how that happened. They couldn't figure out. But anyway, they were glad that it happened the way it did. Think about your life experiences. Have you ever had an experience that you said, I don't know how I got through that. Something happened. I don't know. I can't explain it, but it, it's there. I want to validate that because the story today validates that and so the king said bring me the three strongest guys in your, in the army they brought them they took Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and apparently with ropes and bound them with the ropes. Apparently they left the clothes on, the caps on, whatever they wore. 
And if this is true that the furnace was at the opening at the top, they took these three guys up there, opened that pit, and threw them in. Somehow, the flames of that furnace hit those three guards from the army that bound them and killed them, but not Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. This caught the attention, apparently, of Nebuchadnezzar. So he apparently went down downstairs, wherever the door is on the bottom side, and was looking into the furnace. And he didn't see anybody laying there that had been laid there that was uh, harmed. What he saw was some people walking around in the fire, unharmed and unbound. And apparently the flames had burned the ropes, but not their clothes. Now you explain that. That's sort of like what you can't explain that happened to you. You know what Nebuchadnezzar said? He said to his cohorts with him, Hey, how many people we threw in that furnace? Three. How many do you see now? Four. Explain that. They're walking around. Somehow or another, they were protected from the fire. But they were in the fire, unharmed. I don't know that God changed their bodies to be resistance. I don't know how he did it. I can't explain it either. But I do know this. That the book says they walked around unharmed. And Nebuchadnezzar was very puzzled over this. Now what can we take away from this? I think first of all that these three young men from Judah who had gotten, uh, that had impressed Nebuchadnezzar and gotten into the political system. They had made up their determination ahead of time. They didn't wait till the last minute to make a decision. They knew what they were going to do when the time came. And they had that F not. If God chooses not to deliver us, we won't feel any different towards God. Some people will pray that uh, for this to happen and that to happen. And sometimes it doesn't happen.
And sometimes they feel, God, you let me down. But not these three. They were F not. If God chooses otherwise, we still are his men, his people. So this was not for the benefit of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But this was the benefit of a great crowd that had gathered. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar sent out an invitation when he had his image ready for great people to come and celebrate. He had a big crowd there. And God's timing was to meet, to do his best at Nebuchadnezzar's best time also. God's timing was important to us. And in that experience, God showed the world who is that God that's able to deliver. He did that on other occasions too over in the New Testament. And this showed that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Abednego. Now their choices could have been, okay, that's going to happen. So we can kneel down but we'll stand up in our heart. Nope. That wasn't them. They weren't going to just stand up in their heart. They were going to stand up on their feet. And they chose to go down with the ship of determination ahead of time. And they stayed with that choice. God's timing is important for you to get a grip on in your life. We can also take away that these men did not pray that God would stop the fire, lower the temperature, or get rid of it. That didn't happen. But I think my prayer oftentimes is, God, if you just remove this, get rid of this, I'd be better off. That's not the way it always happens. And God left the fire there. He didn't get rid of the problem. He helped the men in the midst of the problem. Now you may think that uh, you can do this or you can do that exercise or you can do this on a mat and whatever and you can come out with a changed person. But if you want transformation, if you want change, look what happened here. Transformation and change is going to come in the midst of the problem. When you're hurting, when you're angry, 
when you're crying and you're able to think, well, I continue to do this. I continue to do it this way. And it dawns on you that there are choices. I don't have to continue to do it that way. I can do it differently. God may not remove, as he did Paul, the thorn, the problem. But he'll bring you through it. And you'll not be able to explain it. You can just tell it. That's the way it is. So the good news is, God will meet you in the midst of the problem. Not after he's taken care of it, but in the midst of the problem. You didn't create the problem. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't create the problem, but they found themselves in the midst of it. And you'll find yourself that way in life, in a lot of problems that come to you. Just remember, God will meet you in the midst of the problem. Concentrate on God and your determination to serve him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the example that you gave us with these three young men. Help us to always be determined to survive and come through the midst of the fire, the midst of the storm, the midst of the problems. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Now I want you to think about being a, and if not, going to be okay. Let's stand and think that through as we sing.